Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Andrew Sherman is an advocate for franchising and licensing as a growth strategy, so much so that he is a published author on the subject. Andrew joins me on the phone now to provide us with more information on these growth options. Andrew, in terms of strategic growth options, is franchising and licensing still viewed as a powerful way to achieve both domestic and international growth? I think it is. I, I've not, you know, it's a really great question. I always kind of wake up in the morning because I'm, I'm a take-nothing-for-granted kind of guy, given my upbringing, and I've always not... I've never, uh, I've never looked at franchising as a strategy that will always be around. It has to sort of justify itself every year. You don't want to think that franchising, you know, is going to sustain itself just because it is what it is. So I think that franchising continues to improve its value proposition, both the franchisor and franchisee. And in fact, one of the really interesting trends that we've seen and benefited from as a law firm is larger companies getting into franchising for the first time. You know, when we think about franchise development, we're always thinking about, you know, a chain of three yogurt stores that decides that they're going to grow through franchising instead of opening up the fourth store on their own. But that's not always true. Um, some very, very large companies and mid-sized companies who have actually established a pretty nice footprint for that, themselves domestically or globally choose franchising as a growth strategy because of its capital efficiency or because they want to mitigate market risk or whatever their business reasons may be. And what's the best example of a company like that in recent years? Well, we're working right now with uh, a company. I can't say its name, but it's a, I can give the broad strokes of the example it had been relying on a traditional retail distribution channel as a manufacturer. Uh, it's a leading brand in its industry, uh, quite established worldwide. And uh, that distribution network began to erode and its loyalty began to diminish. And they decided to terminate uh, those distribution agreements in favor of building their own. And their own, to your point from earlier, will include both their own retail operations as well as a franchised uh, distribution channel. So, um, you know, there's, a, there's also a lot of examples of companies like Starbucks, uh, which probably all of your listeners have heard of. They make a bit of coffee. <laughs> uh, Starbucks is not franchised in the United States. They're all company-owned, but they are franchised abroad. So uh, a number of companies in the U.S., have decided for whatever reason to be all company-owned domestically but franchised internationally. Before we delve into the legal considerations associated with franchising and licensing, what distinguishes the concepts from each other? One is a cousin of the other. Um, Licensing is a broad umbrella, if all of your listeners could imagine this umbrella, with the various spokes under the umbrella. And under that umbrella is software licensing, trademark and brand licensing, merchandise and character licensing, famous athlete licensing. You know, think of the most famous soccer player in all of Ireland, and he licenses his image to T-shirts and hats and and, and athletic shoes. Um, That is all forms of licensing. Franchising is a form of licensing Uh, that involves the licensing of a trademark and a business format. 
And Andrew, for the benefit of any of our listeners that might be interested in investing in a franchise business, what particular sectors within franchising should they be considering today? I was just at the International Franchise Expo 10 days ago as a speaker. I walked the floor. I have never seen so many health and fitness and nutrition and organic food and low-carb food and gluten-free food uh, franchises as I saw this year. And then there's always been a big push in children's education, but as the job market gets even more competitive, as the, as the skill sets the children of the future will need, you know, I read a data point here in the U.S. that one half of all middle school students will have jobs in 10 years that don't exist today. I mean, one half, you know, so that's an alarming statistic that says, hey, are we teaching our kids the right things when we don't even know what jobs they're going to have when they become adults? So I think some franchises in children's education are getting more advanced as to what we're teaching our kids. And as parents, if we don't think our kids are learning these things in schools, then can we take them to an after-school program offered by a franchise in any uh, any you know number of learning or tutoring experiences that will make our children more competitive as human beings and in the workplace down the road. Andrew, that's very insightful. Now, you are the author of Franchising and Licensing, two powerful ways to grow your business in any economy. But what inspired you to write this book? What inspired me to write the book was the first edition came out back in 1990. Um, I know I was four years old at the time, but uh, the book was designed to say, hey, whatever your myths or beliefs are about franchising as a new franchisor, let me dispel them for you. Let me give you an insightful look, not just into the legal or regulatory or compliance, but also the operational and strategic and, and growth components of being a franchisor. And I've never believed that you know, you have to come to me at my billable rate and get all that information. I would much rather have a client walk in my door and say, hey, I'm ready to franchise and I've read your book so I don't need hours and hours of preliminaries because I've, I've gotten it covered. I've also been the type of person, particularly in my last 10 years, that thinks that just because I know something doesn't mean that you can't know it or I have to charge you to tell it to you. So I'm more of an open book. Uh, I want you to know as much about franchising, whether we work together formally or not. And I believe franchising is a very uh, effective and great business model when it's done properly. And quite frankly, I want to see it done properly. I I don't want to be uh, the most lucrative partner in the law firm for our litigation department. Um, I'd rather be a partner that helps clients do things right and avoid disputes. So if any of our listeners are considering franchising their existing business, what are the first things that they need to look to? So in the book, I talk about the foundation for franchising. And I would urge people to go through the 21, 22 aspects of the foundation. But let me highlight a few of them, because I think it's probably, among other questions, the most important question you're asking me in this interview. First, be realistic. Are you ready to start supporting others? The joy of franchising is the joy of putting people in business for themselves, but not by themselves. And if your thought is, I'm just going to sell a bag of goods to a bunch of people and collect royalties I don't deserve, then don't get into franchising. Get into franchising because it excites you to put 
people into business. It excites you to teach people. It excites you to support people who will fulfill their life dreams through your intellectual property rights, your brands, your systems, your processes. So do a reality check as to whether you're getting into franchising for the right reasons. Second thing, is the business scalable? Is it replicatable? You know, you might have the most famous restaurant in all of Dublin, but that doesn't mean it's franchisable. Just because it's famous doesn't mean that you've built the systems and the protocols to make it scalable. It could be that what makes it so famous is the way that you greet everyone when they come in, and if it's not being done by you, then no one's interested. Can you turn that greeting into something that anybody can learn to do to keep customers happy? A third thing would be, have you documented your success? Have you put all of those processes and systems in the manuals and training and field support, you know, the things the franchisee will rely on? I can't tell you how many times I come into a client's office and I say, so what's driven your success? What's replicatable? And they say, oh, it's all in my head. And I say, okay, what if you get hit by a bus? You know, has the client or is the client or prospective franchisor willing to document and execute all of the things that drive their success? And the last thing I'll say on this particular question is are you ready to devote yourself to continuous improvement? You know, there's a Barbara Streisand song, not that I'm a big fan, but there's a Barbara Streisand song whose lyrics say, you know, you don't bring me flowers and you don't sing me love songs. And, you know, she's complaining that the relationship has gone stale. And that's a lot like franchising. Franchisees, they don't expect us to be romanced in the first six months of the relationship and never hear from you again. They expect you to continue to do R&D, to continue to be responsive to their needs. And so it's a marathon, not a sprint. And if you're looking at this as a, as a sprint, and a short-term relationship, you're getting into franchising for the wrong reason. Now, the operations manual is probably the most important document from both the franchiser and franchisee's point of view. Now, given its importance, what are your golden rules for compiling this document? Well, I think, number one, it has to be reflective of current technology. Um, you know, people don't want a three-ring binder manual that's all words, no diagrams, no technology. Today's franchisee, particularly the young millennials, are looking for things that have video clips and that are available on the intranet and on their phones. If they're with an angry customer or they're running into a problem, you know, they want to know they can hit a mobile app on their iPhone and the answer's waiting for them because that's what the expectations are. You know, my 27-year-old son says anytime he needs to do something, he just looks up the video on YouTube, and whatever that something is around the house, there's probably five YouTubes for it. So we have to understand that this emerging targeted franchisee is learning things and doing things and has certain expectations about how they will solve problems, and the manuals have to be reflective of that. Second, the manual should be customized to your brand, your systems, not just copied off the other page. Now, look, you know, on the section of the manual on rodent control, there's only so many ways to control rodents and only so much to say. But on the section on customer service and culture and the way you treat your people, 
those should be reflective of uh, of your systems, your customized uh, philosophies and beliefs. And uh, another related point, it's a great little saying, is, you know, if you give a man a fish, he eats for a day. Teach a man to fish, he eats for a lifetime. And the ops manual is a lot like that. It can't be a guideline on handing a man a fish. It has to be a set of guidelines and processes and protocols that truly, truly teaches a man to fish so that that franchisee can, in fact, eat for a lifetime. And Andrew, your books also look at effective sales and marketing strategies for franchising. So in terms of achieving scale, what works best in your opinion? One of the key issues, because we've talked about this theme of relationship management, is really have a good feeling of who your target franchisee is. I go in sometimes and I'll ask the client, so tell me about your target franchisee. And they'll say, if they can walk and chew gum at the same time and their check clears. And I'll say, no, 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 no. You know, is that your criteria for your target spouse? You know, I mean, and I guess some people say, yes, it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, But raise your standards. Really understand what's the background of that franchisee. I'll give you an example. Um, One client of mine uh, did surveys of their existing franchise system, years and years of surveys, and they finally figured out that their most successful franchisees were franchisees who had played team sports. I mean, you know, now, of course, you'd say, well, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Team sports, franchise system, uniformity, consistency, belonging to something larger than yourself, all that makes perfect sense. But for 10 years, they didn't know that. Well, as soon as they know that, now they walk down the hall to their franchise development office and say, look, if you get an application from a cross-country runner or a swimmer or a violinist, you know, we have to be rec- you know, we're looking for people who played football or rugby or basketball or, you know, somebody that understands that they're part of a larger team with a coach and that coach is the franchisor, whatever it may be, um, understanding your target franchisee, staying disciplined in the enforcement of those recruitment standards. I mean, it's a relationship. And if you start the relationship off with the wrong expectations and the wrong people, what do you think you're going to get down the road? You're going to get litigation, and that only benefits the lawyers and pretty much nobody else. And what's the smartest marketing strategy that you've seen being deployed by a franchisor over the years? Wow, really, really good question. I would say these days it has to be a combined approach. In the old days, the 80s, the 90s, you know, you did some magazine and newspaper ads, you, you did some trade shows, uh, and that was your marketing strategy, and you hoped the phone would ring. These days, you have to be very present in social media, and I mean all kinds of social media. You need to, again, walk in the shoes of your target profile franchisee and then figure out where are they hanging out? Where are they looking for opportunities? You know, you can advertise in some of the most traditional magazines, but guess what? So is everybody else. So if you know that your target franchisee is more of an outdoorsman, You know, you might be the only franchise ad running in hunting and fishing magazines, but I'd rather be the only ad in hunting and fishing magazines than one of 80 ads in a classic entrepreneurial publication. Um, And then finally, you know, uh, uh, really getting, uh, figuring out, um, you know, the social media piece 
Where are people talking about business opportunities? Remember, we've moved from a one-to-one internet to a one-to-many internet in Web 2.0. So you think about the role of Yelp and TripAdvisor and all of the peer-to-peer marketing that takes place, franchisors have to do the same. They're more likely to get a lead, not from them communicating to a prospect, but from prospects communicating to each other or existing franchisees posting things about how happy they are in the franchise network. Uh, you know, in the, in the U.S. TV show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire?, uh, the host used to ask the audience, and all of a sudden the audience, the wisdom of the crowd, um, was the most powerful form of marketing and knowledge. And I think that a lot of that has happened in franchising now. Uh, many, many people are looking to the crowd. They're looking to their peers under a Web 2.0 mindset for ideas about where their business opportunities should be. And, I, you know, I'm not a marketing expert by trade, but that's certainly, if I were franchising today, I'd be paying a lot more attention. And in a lot of the seminars that I give on franchising, you would be shocked when I ask leaders of franchise companies, do they have an active social media strategy? You know what they say? Well, we have a Facebook page. Mm. And I'm like, really? A Facebook page? I mean, that's, that's you know, 10 years old now. I mean, uh, you're going to have to think more strategically than a Facebook page. Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick.